It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and to subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check out the podcast free and available wherever you listen to all your favorite podcasts. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss a single edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where tomorrow I'll be back answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on the show to participate either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, on today's episode, we're going to be joined by a guest. Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer will be making his second appearance here on the show. I want to talk to him about a couple of the additions here recently on the Panthers coaching staff. One of them, which we knew about about 10 days ago when we talked to Stephen Holder of ESPN.com that covers the Indianapolis Colts, telling us that Parks Frazier, who spent time as the play caller for Jeff Saturday when he took over as the interim head coach in Indianapolis this past season. Frank Reich officiated his wedding to the formerly known as Caroline Can, who was here for a year as a Panthers reporter. Now the job that Kristen Balboni holds. She's now Caroline Frazier as she's married to Parks Frazier, who's now coming here to Carolina to be a part of the Frank Reich staff as the passing game coordinator that was announced on Wednesday afternoon, we found out on Tuesday evening that Jonathan Cooley will take over as the cornerbacks coach here in Carolina. He's teaming up with Ajero Vero, who he spent time with down in Los Angeles under Sean McVay. And it was named, made official that the Carolina Panthers and Frank Reich will be retaining offensive line coach James Campen and Chris Tabor, the only holdovers from the former Matt Rule coaching staff here in Carolina from the 2022 season and even from 21 and 2020, where a lot of those Rule staffers were either fired or have followed Matt Rule over to Nebraska or left last offseason to go find other opportunities in the National Football League. So Jim, uh, not Jim, well, Jim Caldwell is part of the staff, but Frank Reich has built a really good staff so far, including Jim Caldwell. Camp and Taylor, uh, Tabor, as we just mentioned, as I just mentioned there, and plenty of others. So I'm going to talk to Mike Kay about the staff that he's built here so far in Carolina. I also want to take some time and look at some of the free agents that the Carolina Panthers have coming up. Uh, what decisions should be made about Deontay Foreman? Looking at Sam Darnold, now that um, Josh McCown is here and Carolina's quarterback coach, should he 
return as kind of that stopgap quarterback and that veteran quarter that quarterback that can work with the rookie quarterback, presuming presuming the Carolina Panthers do take a rookie in this upcoming draft. Uh, I want to look at Bradley Bozeman, of course. Um, will there be an extension made for uh, deal figured out there with Brian Burns? So look at a lot of these uh, free agents and talk about the coaching staff and so far the impact that Frank Reich's been able to make here in Carolina by hiring a lot of experienced men to come in this locker room and work with this group and hopefully elevate them to uh, the best team in the NFC South here in 2023. So Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer coming up here in just a moment here on Locked on Panthers. But before we get there, let me tell you about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. This year, we're back to wanting to eat healthier, but we also don't want to compromise the taste. Well, if that's you, then I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. Well, Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they are. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate in every single bar, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, which you can still do, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, and of course a member, run in and grab a 13-bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers. And as promised, Mike K, he's one of the beat reporters for the Charlotte Observer covering your Carolina Panthers. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K over there on Twitter. And of course, Subscribe to your local paper, the Charlotte Observer. Him and Ellis Williams, Scott Fowler, the whole gang over there does an excellent job covering the Carolina Panthers. Mike, good afternoon, man. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Uh, doing well, man. It's a busy time uh, for me with the NASCAR season uh, finally ramping up here, my full-time day job. So uh, that going on, also trying to keep up with these Carolina Panthers as Frank Reich is uh, putting together a pretty impressive staff so far. We saw the recent additions. Parks Frazier, who spent time in Indianapolis this past year as a play caller under the interim head coach, uh, Jeff Saturday there, also had Frank Reich officiate his wedding. So apparently those guys are obviously very close. Um, then they also had a new secondary coach. Jim Caldwell has announced an impressive staff so far that Frank Reich is building here in Carolina. What are your overall impressions on the staff that currently is here at Carolina under Frank Reich? Well, I, I think it's interesting coming from Philly where there's a quarterback factory. It does kind of seem like they're putting the guys in place to create their own quarterback factory in, in Carolina. I mean, when you talk about Jim Caldwell and Frank Reich and Josh McCown, these are three men who have been around the NFL for roughly 20 years or more and have all worked in the, with the quarterback position. I think that's really, really important. And then you bring in a young voice in Parks Frazier who 
can really relate to a lot of these young players. He's in his early 30s. He's a guy who has gotten some really great experience up front. And I think this is all built towards improving the passing game, improving the passing offense in general, but more importantly, grooming a quarterback. Yeah, when you look at it, Frank Reich played a position. He's been an OC. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, Jim Caldwell didn't play the position, but he's coached position for over a decade in the NFL, been a head coach, has been to a Super Bowl. Josh McCown played the position for, what, 17 years for 12 different teams in the NFL. Parks Frazier called plays last year at 30. I think he's 31 years old now. All of that makes you think that, obviously, they have to be looking at a young quarterback in this draft. Is it is that very clear that that's their path forward now, especially when you look at all the pieces that are now on this coaching staff, Mike? I would say, barring a significant drop in Derek Carr's market that is unexpected, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think every sign is there that they want to build their long-term uh, franchise quarterback, and they've got the pieces, at least the teachers, in place to do so. Derek Carr. I, I saw reports. I don't know how valid it was that Derek Carr potentially had a visit set up for Carolina. Now, Twitter's crazy. I get people sending me stuff. Oh, yeah, I figured it wasn't because anybody who pays for Twitter and aggregates NFL news probably is not a reliable source. But Adam Schefter put out on Tuesday, once Carr was released from the Raiders, the Panthers could be one of the teams interested in at least talking to Carr. Do you expect a meeting to happen between Derek Carr and Carolina? I think based on Scott Fitterer's desire to check in on everything, which it, frankly, in my opinion, is the smart move, I do yeah. think there could be some communication there. But as I reported several times over the last several weeks, uh, Derek Carr was always expected to be released. If anybody traded for him, they were going to be just absolutely destroyed in the media because there was not a person in the league who was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, regarding the Panthers meeting with Derek Carr and that being squashed, I, I, or I squashed it the other night. Several other of my colleagues squashed it. Uh, did not happen. But what I would say is it would be smart to check in on Carr. That said, if I am Carr, I would try to get a deal done as soon as possible because once the competition for that you know top quarterback on the market position comes available, he's not going to be that guy. So take advantage of it while you can. There are some teams that are definitely interested. I think New Orleans, as the only team that was willing to really trade for him at the, at the Raiders' price, is the top spot for him. Yeah, it seems pretty obvious. Dennis Allen, I believe, was the coach there in um, Oakland back when the Raiders were there when Carr was drafted. So a reunion there would make sense for both parties as I don't know what the Saints would be doing at quarterback if they're not going to bring in Derek Carr because Jameis didn't work out and certainly – Andy Dalton is not the uh, the player that he was early in his career. And it's not like he was ever the highest level of player, even though he had success in Cincinnati. Now, quickly back to the coaching you know, staff right here in Carolina. We're still waiting on an OC. And it feels like Frank Reich and maybe some other teams have been waiting to see what was going to happen with Philadelphia, namely with Shane Steichen, whether he was going to leave. He's now taking the Colts job as their new head coach. We've also seen Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator there in Philadelphia, take the Cardinals job. So it feels like that kind of muddies and complicates things as far as the two candidates that have been mentioned before. And Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach who has a relationship with the Hertz family dating back to his high school career, who could be elevated as OC or potentially come here or follow Steichen or follow Gannon if that's what he wanted to do. And then there's Kevin Petulo, who spent a couple of years as a wide receiver coach 
coach in Indianapolis under Reich that now is the passing game coordinator in Philadelphia. Maybe he has an opportunity in Philadelphia as the OC if Johnson leaves, or he could go here to Carolina or Indianapolis or to Arizona. How do we see this playing out right now? Like, where are we with the OC search heading into I mean, about the end of this week? So I actually think it clarifies a lot. Brian Johnson's – I would – bet money that Brian Johnson is the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think when you look at Kevin Petullo, it is really interesting, right? Like maybe Jonathan Gannon wants to hire him in Arizona. Maybe Shane Steichen wants him in Indy. Um, We know that Jim Bob Cooter has interviewed for the offensive coordinator position. He was the offensive coordinator under Jim Codwell in Detroit. So there's some context clues there. Thomas Brown is going to interview, excuse me, on Thursday – He's a really, really inspiring candidate, in my opinion. Uh, very much like Brian Johnson in his mid-30s, really came up through the ranks in college, called a pretty decent offense when he was in college, and then moved on to becoming a position coach and a guy who got a little bit more authority as, as his time went on. And similar to Brian Johnson, worked under a very young, successful head coach. And I think he's a guy who has gotten head coach interviews this cycle, I think he would be an inspiring hire. I know that Jim Codwell brought him up on the 33rd team a while back as a guy who is an ascending talent in this league. And I think right now, yeah, you bring in Parks Frazier, who's that young guy who you you can mold, but you want another guy in there who can really kind of fit things through. And you've got all these passing gurus. Well, now if you partner Thomas Brown with Deuce Daly, you get the run game covered with James Campen. So I, I, I think that there's, there's got to be a little bit of versatility in that play calling, you know, ecosystem. And I think Thomas right. Brown would be a great hire. And we go back to Frank Reich's introductory press conference when he was asked about like what went wrong at Indianapolis. And you would think most people on the outside would think, well, he had five different quarterbacks in five different years that started week one. He brought up the running game and Jonathan Taylor's injury and how that really hurt them. So clearly he's going to want to run the football. And you look at what we have here in Carolina with the offensive line last year. Now there's going to be questions about Corbett's health and Brady Christensen's health going into the next season. And then we'll see what happens with Foreman. This offensive line and this team is built to be able to run the football. And that's the, basically the only thing they did well last year on offense. So I'd imagine that, yes, you're right. They would want to diversify the playbook there and have the op- options on both running the football. And of course, uh, spreading the uh, ball down the field uh, through the, the pass game. Now, don't they have to talk to another external minority candidate when it comes to OC positions now with the Rooney rule? I believe it's one. And so Thomas Brown would be that guy. Okay. Um, That said, uh, I'm not sure what do Staley's interview was filed under. Obviously he didn't get the OC title, uh, but it'd be interesting to see how that was filed. But I believe it's just one for coordinators. Okay, because um, I know they expanded that either last year or the year well, before. they did it with the head coaches. Yeah, they did it with the head coaches. I don't know for sure. I don't want to give you the, the wrong information, but I, I believe it's only one for coordinators. Yeah, and I, I was thinking too, so I'm trying to double-check with me, you, so I'm going to have to go back and look that up as well to see what, what the deal is there. Now, I want to get into a little bit of free agency and some of the guys that are coming up here in Carolina. It feels like one of the priorities has to be Bradley Bozeman. Any insight to – where they might be as we head into free agency next month, as far as obviously the appetite, but the likelihood that Bozeman can come back here to Carolina next season. I actually think it's very likely with the return of James Campen. Um, as I reported uh, last season, the reason part, a large reason why the Bozeman signed here is because of Campen and his, and his prowess as a top offensive line coach. I'd also say he kind of falls in line with the Ryan Kelly esque center position. Uh, you know, that kind of, 
nose grinder sort of center. He's not like Jason Kelsey where you're going to put him out in space. But we saw what Frank Reich got out of Ryan Kelly, and I think that that's appealing too. I also think when you look at the landscape of the offensive line, like you said, Austin Corbett's coming off an ACL. Brady Christensen is coming off an okay year, uh, but he's also coming off a leg fracture. Um, I think you want a guy who's going to be the stability in the middle, whether you have a new quarterback or not, especially if you're going to have a rookie quarterback. And so I think Bozeman has really shown himself well here. I think he's more valuable to the Panthers than he is to other teams on the free agent market. I also think he really wants to be back. The family has really kind of put down some roots here and they love Charlotte. So I, I, I think of the guys who are about to come free, he's probably the one that I think is the safest bet to return. Okay. I saw that you put this out there. You're the first one. I think I saw this when um, Josh McCown was hired. Of course, there's always the, the gif of him and Sam Darnold doing what you just did there, uh, fixing their hair simultaneously back when they were teammates with the New York Jets. And Darnold is someone's a free agent. Maybe he tries to find another opportunity elsewhere. Uh, not sure if he's going to get a chance to be a starter. And I know Arizona of Kyler Murray, they're going to need someone to start the first couple or probably maybe most of the season, really, next season in 2023. What's the likelihood now looking at McCown being here in Carolina and Darnold being available as potentially if they do bring in a rookie quarterback as kind of that that bridge, that stopgap, that veteran quarterback who especially would know the pressures of being a top 10 pick? Yeah, uh, no, I appreciate you noticing that I really badly need a haircut this offseason. Um, but what I would say is this. I know McCown had a major impact on, on Sam Darnold while they were with the Jets. I know that uh, – Sam Darnold has the type of pocket mobility and athleticism that Frank Reich's at, Frank Reich likes at the quarterback position. He's got the height that Frank Reich likes at the quarterback position. He also likes big, strong guys at quarterback. Guess what? Sam Darnold's that guy. Um, check, check, I, check. Yeah, what I would say is I think it all comes down to money, right? And I know that seems like kind of a cop-out, but, like, what I would ask you is would you rather have Jacoby Brissett at 10 to 12 million or would you rather have Sam Darnold at eight? I'm, I'm not saying that's what they want, but I, I think that's going to be kind of the discussion here. If you're all in on quarterback and yes, you want to win right away, but you also want a guy who's not going to completely just mitigate the rookie, right? Like you want a guy who during the week is going to mentor and really take on that, that challenge. You don't want a guy who, like Joe Flacco kind of was with Lamar Jackson, where he's just kind of, hey, he can learn by do by watching, right? You want a guy who's going to be that dude that's there to guide him throughout the process. And I think Sam Darnold, by and large, is a guy behind the scenes who does everything the right way. So is Jacoby Brissett. Um, obviously, Brissett has a long history with Frank Reich. I'm really interested to see who they hire for offensive coordinator. And I think if Frank's calling plays – I feel pretty good about either one of those guys. Yeah, I don't really feel like it can go wrong. It's You know that they're capable of winning you some games, and we'll see what the situation is and who they end up drafting if they do indeed draft a quarterback there in the top 10 and whether that guy starts week one or not. But if you have Brissett and you have Darnold, there's really not a reason why you have to force a rookie out there in the week one of the season. But, but we'll see, obviously, the development. We have no idea who they're going to get and, uh, and how things work out there. Now, Deontay Foreman. I was reading up on what you guys got going on at the Observer right now. You guys are looking at each of the positions and free agency and kind of where the Panthers stand potentially with those guys. Foreman had an excellent season last year considering the expectations and also what you watched out there. Now, the highs are high and the lows are pretty low. I know he was banged up late in the season, but still, the way that guy went out there and ran the football last year, we had a chance to run for 1,000 yards. 
He was fantastic. I just philosophically am like, there's no reason you pay a running back because the Panthers got Deontay Foreman for peanuts last year and see the, the what they got out of him. A couple of years ago, they had Mike Davis there for peanuts and see what you got out of him when Christian McCaffrey was out. So mm-hmm. great for Foreman. Do you think the Panthers are looking at him as someone that they really want to resign, especially when I've read, allegedly, this is a deep running back draft? Yeah, so I do think they'd like him back, but they'd like him back at their price, right? So... It, Look, JC, I'm completely with you on this. Like, you and I are, like, in sync. Like, the lows were extremely low. And when you have a running back who is kind of a an early down run and tumbler type of running back, the ceiling really isn't that high. Like, Jonathan Taylor was running over dudes, but he was a proven pass catcher. He could pass block. I mean, the this previous staff did not want him out there that much on third down. We know that, right? And so I think – you wonder how much you brought it up earlier, how much of that success was because of the offensive line and how much of it was because of Foreman that said Foreman, who's in, in the middle of his twenties uh, is less banged up than most guys in the middle of their twenties because he's bounced around has he's been lightly used, whatever. I thought he had a great year that said, oh, yeah. as you said, <laughs> this is a pretty deep running back class. I think it matters how much, how many assets you see yourself going into the draft with. And if you look at, at the last few years, the popular trend when you're trading up for a quarterback is to do it early, right after the combine. Like you have those conversations at the combine. You might revisit them at the owners meetings at latest, but you, if you want one or two, you want to do it when you're not against the ticking clock. And I think that's something that's really lost on a lot of people in that, you know, you can make a Trubisky like mistake. Like you remember Chicago traded up from three to two and gave up a bunch of picks for literally no reason because Chicago played that situation properly. If I'm the Panthers, I want to know, Hey, am I going to spend, have, you know, all seven of these picks to spend where I can draft a running back. Do I want to pay Deontay Foreman three to $4 million? Does he want six to seven? You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where I think running back is such a mystery. We look at like somebody like Miles Sanders, excuse me, with the Eagles, he's probably going to set the market in a way. Either him or, or Josh Jacobs if he doesn't get franchise tagged. So it, it's a situation where you don't want to watch that play out. And then you have a running back who's like, yeah, you know, I'd love to come back, but at three years for $12 million. And then you're like, well, you know, we kind of want to service the quarterback here. You know, I mean, it's a it's a yeah. tough situation. It's a great story, honestly. Like just mm-hmm. the, the person, Deontay Foreman, like to lose his dad, had the moving company about 20 months ago, then get the opportunity uh, there in Tennessee, filling in for Derrick Henry and help them get to the one seed. And then this year, not a lot of expectations from him. And you know, early on in the year, you look at the situation against, I think, was it Cleveland or one of those where it's like, hey, guys, why on fourth down and one are you not handing the football over to Deontay Foreman? And it looks even worse now in hindsight, considering how well he ran the football in the latter half of the season once Steve Wilkes took over. So it's a great story. But man, mm-hmm. running backs, like they, to me, I know they're going to make more than this, but 725 an hour federal minimum wage, like that's all I really miss. <laughs> in the NFL. Like that's it. Like you, you ain't got to pay him full time hours, guys. All I need is 20 hours a week. That's all I need in overtime. Um, now, one quick thing too, because you're talking about the smart thing to do is to kind of trade up, trade early. And I think San Francisco did that a couple years ago when they traded all those picks to get up there and get get Trey Lance. Your expectation of Carolina is going to move up, which I feel like if they want Stroud, 
or Bryce Young, who knows how those guys fit and what happens with Chicago. They're going to have to at least get up to number three where Arizona is. So was your expectation that they're going to, if they do make a move, that it will be right there after the combine? I, I think that it'll come quickly if they're going to make the move. I think okay. Arizona is the team to watch, like you said, mainly because, look, there are three guys who unquestionably fit what Frank Reich and a lot of people on his staff want to do. They want to have pocket mobility. They want good size at the position. And you got Will Levis. You got Anthony Richardson. And then you got the crown jewel in C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, to me, is a Frank Wright quarterback if I've ever seen one. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I think this is a situation where if you like all three, cool, trade up to number three. I mean, so here, I'll give you another example. So when he was in Philadelphia. Please do. With the Eagles, Reich watched as Howie Roseman slowly traded up the board through a multitude of moves, got to number two because they both liked Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. So whichever guy that uh, the Rams weren't going to take, who also, by the way, traded up way before the draft, mm-hmm. they were going to select. I think that that makes a lot of sense here. If I were Chicago, though, I'd be trying to coerce the Texans into letting me trade back to two doing similar to what Chicago or San Francisco did with Chicago uh, several years back. And then I would just like trade back again. I mean, they really, they're in a position if they, if they feel good about their quarterback position, they are in a position to really monopolize the top 10 if they really wanted to and trade back for the future. I, I just think if you're all in, go get your guy. And if yeah. there's a couple of guys you're all in on, we'll do the math. And I think I think those top two spots are going to be really difficult to trade up to. But I think Arizona is a really smart trade partner because mm-hmm. unless Indy trades up to one or two, let's say, in a double trade back, you're, you're really, your pickings are kind of in a weird spot, right? I don't think Richardson's going to make it tonight, personally. So we'll see. Really? Okay. Because I was just sitting here thinking, like, because you're talking about that, man. Like, if you like three of them, and I and I mentioned, I, and I noticed you didn't mention Bryce Young, which, hey, if you're talking about size and all that, then yeah, he's that the size is going to be the question more, that we're going to listen to for the next two months. And I'm just so excited to listen to all of that draft fodder about Bryce Young's size, as it's my favorite time of the year, if you can tell by the tone <laughs> of my voice. Um, but like, you can get one of those guys at nine, it feels like. But if Richardson's not going to be there at nine, like, that's. That is interesting that you think that. And it's unfortunate, I think, for Carolina, too, that, like, the way Week 18 played out and how the league, like, teams don't try to win in Week 18, which, hey, I guess I get it. And it still hurt the Chargers when they got injured, when um, they lost Spike Williams in that game against Denver. But, like, if Seattle's there at three, then you got to feel a lot better about their chances of getting there and what the price might be because of Federer's relationship with John Steyer and the organization, opposed to now of Arizona money, Ford having a – Patriots background having just come from Tennessee yeah I mean it's a it's a weird this is probably the weirdest offseason so I've been covering the NFL for about 12 years I've been a beat writer for eight yeah uh this is the weirdest offseason already that I've ever come I like it the coaching cert carousel was very weird this draft seems very weird outside of the quarterback position this is probably the least hype draft that I can remember in recent years there's a lot of talent but I feel like we're not discussing it the way it the way it is. Um, but I think everything's about the quarterback, right? We learned that last year. We learned that years yeah. before. 
And now I think you've got an organization that really wants to nail this. And uh, I, I do think they'll be aggressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like two more here for you. Shaq Thompson seems like a very obvious cap casualty. My thoughts were if Wilkes would have gotten the job that I think they might've been able to make it work now that Wilkes is gone and by one move, they can get under the salary cap. Now they got to do some other things also to open up some, some space for some of these guys. Does it seem like more than likely Shaq Thompson's played his last snaps here in Carolina? That's the feeling that I get. That's the sense that I get, but I mean, look, you know, money talks. It depends on what ends up happening. I mean, they just got their linebackers coach, Peter Hansen. I'm sure that's a discussion that's that's going on. But I will say this, like, this defense is good. It's not yeah. great. And I think if you're going to build it in Ijiro Evero's image, which is a great image, by the way. He did a phenomenal job last year. Um, I think you want a guy at Mike who's got maybe a little bit more – end-to-end speed, a little bit more aggressiveness. I mean, look, I think Shaq's seen as, as a guy who's a great leader. Uh, I think he's a pretty good tackler. Um, but he's just making so much. And I think the type of pay cut they'd want him to take would just be kind of insulting. So I, I'm interested to see what kind of happens there. Now, you know, who, no one can say what Shaq Thompson's thinking other than Shaq Thompson, but I do think – it could be a situation where maybe they cut him and then he comes back after testing the market and you can look at it that way. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that that's something that like Fletcher Cox did the same thing in Philadelphia where they cut Mm -hmm. him and they were like, Hey, you know what? We're going to re-sign you in a couple of days. If you can't, if you don't get what you want. I I, I think that's the new wave of thinking in the NFL, save the money up front. And then once you kind of, you know, do your thing, I don't know why I did that motion. (laughs) Then you come back. Yeah, and and if you look at, too, the linebacker depth, like Carolina kind of needs that to be how it plays out because I I don't know where they go. We did not see nearly enough out of Brandon Smith and, of course, a new defensive staff. I don't even know where he really fits in this scheme moving forward to know whether you can really trust him. Like Frankie Louvre looked great as a guy who came in, basically took someone's job after his first year in Carolina and started last year. And I thought he was excellent as a first time starter and a first time full-time starter. So the expectation would be like, he's only going to get better. Maybe he can get the same production, but if Shaq's not there, who knows what they're going to do to fill that position out there. So yeah, that, that might be the best case scenario is if they do cut Shaq and under the salary cap, figure some things out there and then bring him back in a couple of days. If he does want to come here. And I also go back to Twitter a couple of weeks ago when somebody was trying to trash him for not being at Frank Reich's press conference. Like, by the way, guys, it's the off season and there's no requirement to be there. Um, mm-hmm. It's not college. It's not like they're like, they need to be there to shake hands with the coach immediately afterwards. And he's like, he had, he told the guy what was actually going on and saying, would you pay, take a pay cut at your job? Now, of course, people are so dense. They're gonna be like, well, I don't make a million dollars. Like, okay, well, look at your 80K job, whatever you make. And they say, hey, you now make 43K. Are you gonna mm-hmm. do that to stay there? Probably not. Probably not. You might go test the market. They might come back and say, here's 65 instead, and you'll take it. But you probably still wouldn't be as happy as if you could just keep the money. Now, last one for you, mm-hmm. thinking about being able to move things around. Brian Burns, $60 million cap hit heading into 2023. Seems like a smart move would to go ahead and be able to extend him right now, lower that cap hit in 2023. They did it last year with DJ Moore by extending a player who they had just exercised a fifth-year option on the year before. It Does it look like 
that's going to happen with Brian Burns this year, or we look at a scenario where we might be waiting until July or have to wait until this time next year to actually get things done with a guy who's turning into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, two-time pro Bowler now, that I feel like a lot of people still nationally don't really spend as much time giving the kind of praise that I think he deserves. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to be urgent with this. I think you kind of have to. If you were going to pursue a veteran quarterback, you'd have to get it done pretty early. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to play in their fifth-year option. Uh, no one. And... I don't think the Panthers want that either. They made it very clear last year uh, when turning down Dose first round picks. Like that's that's a yeah. statement saying, "Hey, bro, we want you here." And and look, I I think Scott Fitter has been pretty transparent about that. I, I think just as he was transparent about you know Bradley Bozeman potentially being part of the long term future, I think Brian Burns is a centerpiece. I think he's what's appealing to Evero. I think when you look at a lot of this three four base defense. You have him playing on the weak side and you have Luvu playing on the strong side. I think that gives you a lot of faith in the pass rush. Uh, they need more depth. They need depth at all three rungs of the defense. But I think Brian Burns is the centerpiece. And he is one of the few guys that really earns that like pillar title of, of the franchise. And I think he's a guy that they want around for a really long time. Yeah, it seems pretty obvious. Like you mentioned, when they turn down those two first round picks, it's like, you're going to have to show the man the money, and let's go ahead and see it this offseason. Um, but Mike K of the Charlotte Observer covers Carolina Panthers. Does a great job with Ellis Williams, Scott Fowler. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K with an E at the end, K-A-Y-E. Does an awesome job. You should already be following him. I assume that you do if you're a Panthers fan. Check out all the work that they do at the, at the Observer, and, of course, subscribe to your local paper. Mike, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated it. And thank you for not – not insulting my terrible Twitter handle. I appreciate that so much. It's the worst Twitter <laughs> handle on, on the planet, but I appreciate you. Yeah, after the second underscore, I was like, hmm, what's going on here? But yeah. uh, it, it, it works, man. It's still your name, and that's all that matters. Uh, but we'll take a quick pause here on Locked On Panthers and come right back. This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by our brand new sports betting partner, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger pay out with a same game parlay so don't miss your chance get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more of fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Great conversation there with Mike K of the Charlotte Observer. Again, follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K. As he mentioned, a terrible Twitter handle. I, I don't think it's that bad, but the underscores, it's tough. Like for me, actually in council, fortunately, when I made my Twitter account back in like 
I think it was like my freshman year, at least I had a different one, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, but when I made this one, which I deemed my professional Twitter account back when I was 18, um, I was able to get my name. And also, I don't think there's very many people named Julian Council, so that certainly helped. And I'm sure there's way more people named Mike K. Uh, there's one named Michael K who hosts a radio show in New York and does Yankees game, but he spells it differently. There's not an E at the end. Either way, now I'm rambling, but follow Mike K, follow Ellis Williams, follow Scott Bauer, The Observer. Those guys do a great job. And if you live here locally, subscribe. And even if you don't, if you cover the, if you follow the Panthers, like that's the easy way to do it. Just subscribe. I think it's like a dollar to subscribe for like the first like couple of months or something crazy like that. It costs absolutely nothing. It's dirt cheap. I do it. So support your local paper. Even if you're in Raleigh, I believe as well, to news and observer, I'm pretty sure you get Panthers coverage with those guys. Cause it's like a McClatchy paper. Um, so either way, support them, support the people who come on the show and give us information and help inform you and help obviously inform me. Um, cause I think you got to do two external Rooney rule interviews, but I don't, I can't know. I don't know, man. It's just so much of it. And it shouldn't even be necessary in the first place. You should just go out there and be willing to speak to people of different backgrounds and different ethnicities ugh, and go out there and see if they can uh, coach up your offense and your team and all that kind of stuff. So. Mike K, follow on Twitter, subscribe to the paper, and of course, subscribe to the show. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Um, make sure to subscribe to the show, watch the show over on YouTube. Also, check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, free and available everywhere. Great review, subscribe, and be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, where tomorrow I will be back. It's at Julian Council, by the way. Well, tomorrow I'll be back to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I will talk to you all on Friday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 